0: This audio presentation was pre-recorded and edited for brevity and clarity.
1: Hello, I'm Michael Buckley with the Bright Focus Foundation, and welcome to today's Bright Focus Chat. Today, we're going to have an opportunity to learn more about dry AMD and 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 another form of macular degeneration called geographic atrophy. So if this is your first time in a Bright Focus Chat, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to spend about 30 and 40 minutes uh, uh, hearing from one of the leading experts in age-related vision disease, we'll have a chance to to ask some questions. And uh, hopefully it's a very informative conversation for everybody. If you're new to the Bright, to Bright Focus, I want to tell you that we fund scientific research all around the world. To find better treatments and ultimately cures for macular degeneration, glaucoma, and Alzheimer's. And we want to share the latest news and best practices with our audience. So that's why we created the Bright Focus Chat. So today we're gonna to talk so we're gonna talk about dry AMD and geographic atrophy. We have an outstanding guest to help us with this. His name is Dr. David Liao. He is a leading ophthalmologist in Southern California. He was with us uh, about a year ago, and uh, we had a great conversation, so really want, uh, wanted to, to bring, bring Dr. Liao back. So, uh, Dr. Liao, I'm just wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, and how did you end up
0: doing what you're doing for a living? Sure. Here, thanks, Michael. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned, I'm a retina specialist. I've been practicing out in the uh, Southern California, Los Angeles area for about uh, 10 years, and um, uh, I think the, the people always ask why do you go into ophthalmology or, or retina in s- specific. Uh, and uh, I think as a as a medical student, you always go in um, trying to pick a field um, that you can help a lot of people, and um, I think ophthalmology just really stood out to me as something where you can, no pun intended, see results, um, and there was a lot you could do to improve people's quality of life. and. Um, when I was doing training, the air retina was just kind of um, exploding in our ability to, to treat diseases like wet macular degeneration. And um, that, that really got me interested in, in retina. And um, it, it's really just continued to expand as as time is go- going on. There's so many new treatments out there and, and uh, treatments for diseases that we weren't even treating uh, in medical school, uh, like wet macular degeneration, and now hopefully in the future um, – forms of dry macular degeneration, geographic atrophy also.
1: Well, that's great. That's exactly what we want to talk about today. We, we invited Dr. Liao to tell us a little bit about uh, how these, what these diseases are, how to manage them, and um, to give us an update on some really promising work that's being done in, in, in labs all around the world. And um, Bright Focus uh, supports a number of scientists that are working on, on these diseases. Again, it's, 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 there's not currently a, an approved treatment, so there's, it's, uh, it's a, just an incredibly important area. So I was wondering to get us started, Dr. Liao. Could you tell us a little bit about what dry AMD and geographic atrophy are, like in the, in the family of age-related macular degen- degeneration, kind of uh, what's what?
0: Yeah, yeah so um, there are two different types. Um, broad category is the macular degeneration. There's the dry type uh, and there's a the wet type. I think most people nowadays are familiar with the wet type um, because that's the, the type where you get uh, shots. Um, and uh, these these injections have been around for a number of years, uh, Abastin, Lucentis, ILEA, and most recently uh, Bayview. And uh, with wet macular degeneration, um, this was the, the uh, kind of disease that we used to see a lot of vision loss with um, because um, you get swelling in the retina, bleeding in the retina, and this causes a a sudden loss of vision like a spot in the vision or distortion um, and will lead to a lot of scarring. And um, These medications target the abnormal blood vessels um, that are causing the bleeding, causing the swelling, um, and they, they actually uh, help that to go away. And um, most of the time, people um, improve their vision after treatment and maintain it for many, many years. Um, dry macular degeneration hasn't gotten as much press, perhaps, um, because there hasn't been a good treatment for it. Um, but w- uh, macular degeneration always starts out as the dry type first. That That's the earlier or milder type. And what we usually see is people start getting the earlier forms of it, we see drusen and pigmentary changes in, in the retina. And these drusen are these fatty deposits, um, these yellow deposits that can be seen um, when your eye doctor looks uh, at, at, the, at the retina. Uh, most of the times, uh, in the early and intermediate uh, stages of the disease, you don't get much changes. You can see some distortions, some decrease in vision. Um, some people with dry macular degeneration go to go on to develop a more um, advanced type of dry macular degeneration. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about geographic atrophy. Um, what happens is that these areas um, of the retina uh, start to thin, and the retina is, doesn't work over those areas, the layers that are underneath the retina, like the RPE or the retinal pigment epithelium start to thin too and um, these create blind spots um, areas where you you can't really see um, that leads to difficulty reading um, and eventually as these blind spots get bigger, these areas of atrophy get bigger, um, they can start to encompass the central part of your vision where your very high uh, definition vision is and in those cases um, folks with with that type of dry macular degeneration can get more severe loss of vision. Um, And unfortunately, at this point, there are no approved medications um, to treat that, although there are a lot of studies coming out um, that show that we can maybe slow this process down and uh, we can hopefully preserve vision uh, for many years um, and avoid having this loss of central vision, hopefully.
1: No, no, no. I appreciate you uh, outlining the the different forms, and I would think that central vision loss is going to be so hard in terms of recognizing faces or reading or, or driving. So, uh, when you look around at what's happening in in, in research labs in, in the U.S. and throughout the world, um, are there things that make you hopeful?
0: Yeah, yeah, there are. Um, I mean, when I was in medical school, I think. People didn't really know um, the causes or the there are multiple causes but uh, didn't really weren't familiar with all of these causes that um, play in a part in the progression of macular degeneration and um, you know many years ago uh, people through um, epidemiology or genetic studies um, they they found genes that were associated with um, more advanced forms of macular degeneration. And um, when people have been looking at um, kind of in, in the laboratory of what goes on in, in the retina of people with macular degeneration, they've started to understand a lot more about um, the causes. And, um, you know, th- these have led to the development of these th- different medications um, that hopefully will prove to be beneficial in slowing in down the disease
1: great um, any particular uh companies or products uh in in development that that you feel hopeful about
0: sure sure um so um yeah as we we mentioned earlier there there's um this progression of dry macular degeneration where you can get uh ongoing thinning of the retina and um before we didn't know why, and one of the reasons that's becoming um it's it's more evident now that that this is a a role in dry macular degeneration is the the role of inflammation inside the eye. Um, So when you look at those fatty deposits that are found in the retina, uh, you can see um, molecules that are involved in uh, intraocular inflammation there. Um, There's a a system in our immune system uh, known as a complement system, and um, it's there for a good reason. It helps us to fight infections, to um, kill off bacteria that Shouldn't be in our body, um, but uh, the, the the molecules that have been involved in, in the complement cascade uh, have been found to be localized in, in these these drusen, and uh, the thinking now is that ongoing inflammation uh, in the macula uh, is contributing to the thinning and then um, eventual um, atrophy of the retina. And a lot of these medications now are, are targeting the complement cascade, um, not so much to prevent our body from fighting infection, but rather to stop the ongoing inflammation that's going on inside the eye and um, causing a, a slowing, uh, if you will, of that um, um, processes going on to stop the atrophy and to preserve, um, hopefully, central vision. Um, so uh, one of the um, companies uh, that has had some good results in the early clinical trials um, is Apelis. Um They're a company, I believe, out of Massachusetts. Um, and they have a, a drug uh, called APL2 um, that blocks uh, C3. That's one of the molecules that's necessary to activate um, this inflammation in the complement cascade. And um, they've shown in in their initial trials that when this medication is injected uh, into the eye, um, it's done just like the wet macular degeneration injections that's done in the clinic um, on a monthly or every other monthly basis. Um, But they've shown that uh, they can actually slow down the progression of geographic atrophy by about 30%. Um, Now, it's not going to necessarily improve vision, um, but if you think of the process that's going on here, you're getting um, these enlarging spots where the retina isn't working. You're getting more blind spots, more difficulty seeing with light, and that's impacting uh, reading. And so forth, and eventually may actually affect the central uh, vision. Where if you lose that, you lose the ability to drive and to uh, recognize faces, and so forth. So if we can delay that process by you know three five years, uh, we're giving folks a lot more. Um, Useful vision uh, during their lifetime. Um, so um, the trials for that are, are going on um, now, uh, the phase three trials, and um, hopefully we'll expect the results, um, you know, sometime later uh, this year or early next year. Um, but the results have been uh, fairly good. Um, there are other companies that are uh, looking at other medications that also inhibit, complement, and try to prevent this inflammatory cascade that's going on inside the eye. Uh, one is um, Iveric. Um, they have a, a drug that's targeting a different molecule, C5, um, which has also been shown to have um, some good results in, in clinical trials. Uh, this is also done by an intravitreal injection. The eye injections that are uh, done in the clinic uh, would be done on a monthly basis. Um, there are other uh, companies out there that are targeting different molecules in the complement cascade. Um, There are some other companies as well that have earlier trials. Um, Alexion, for example, um, they have uh, plans for a trial uh, of an inhibitor of another factor in the complement cascade. Um, This drug, however, is going to be um, so um, this may have an advantage uh, over the injection because it's less invasive, um, but we don't have as much uh, data on, on that one yet. Um, so, um, so, you know, for the molecular uh, type of uh, trials, uh, there, there are a number of them going on. And hopefully as the year progresses, um, there'll be uh, more and more results and they'll look forward to getting an approval in the next uh, few years if, if the results are, uh, hold.
1: Well, that's great. And um, before we continue on with, with some of the other uh, things in the pipeline, Dr. Yeah, those um, you know some very encouraging signs on um, in terms of the, the complement inhibitors. Are there other approaches, whether that's in um, cells or vitamins or any any other um, approaches sure. yes. that, that you're seeing promise?
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. So this is definitely kind of a multi-faceted approach. Um one of the things that is getting a lot of attention nowadays is is stem cells. Um so like a cell-based approach. Um so basically in in the end stages of of this uh, disease, you've lost a lot of cells, you've lost a lot of retina there. And so um people have been looking at implanting stem cells underneath the retina to try to replace uh, the cells that have been lost. Um, so uh, these trials are earlier, um, but they certainly have the potential to perhaps if we can replace the cells that have been lost, maybe even reverse some of the vision loss. Um, you know, that's, that's the the holy grail out there. Hopefully we'll get some good results from the trials. Um, there's one company, Astellas, um they have a uh, – cell line um, that's uh, a human embryonic cell line to replace the RPE, the retinal pigment epithelial uh, cells that are underneath the retina and help support the health of the retina. And so um, their initial trials, um, they use, they involved people with um, uh, Stargardt disease, which is a kind of a juvenile macular degeneration, if you will, and uh, folks with geographic atrophy as well. And what they did is they implanted uh, some of these cells surgically underneath the retina and the goal uh, in these initial trials is is mainly for safety to to make sure the technique is safe Um, but um, they did see in folks who had the treatment um, that there was an improvement in the pigmentation levels uh, in, in underneath the retina, showing that the cells actually went where they were supposed to go and, and survived and, and, and produced some pigment that may have been lacking before. Um, the, uh, the vision results—it wasn't really—it uh, was more geared towards safety, but um, some of the patients did improve uh, vision-wise, uh, and a modest amount. Um, but again, that wasn't the goal of the trial—a a long-term goal. Of course, um, there are some other uh, companies out there that are uh, trying to uh, do other things. Like um, they they have a, a a patch, if you will, um, that's grown in the laboratory, and they're also trying to in- introduce that surgically underneath the retina to try to replace some of the uh, the retinal pigment epithelial cells that were lost. So a, a lot of a lot of cells, a lot of companies out there um, trying to do these things um, in early stages, of course, um, but but very promising um so that's kind of kind of on the replacement front um there are also companies that are trying to um kind of preserve the function uh if you will and so uh one of the other theories out there is that um the the metabolism the the byproducts of the metabolism the the retina is very metabolically active um it uses uh, um, vitamin vitamin A to basically um provide vision as the light hits these uh, forms of vitamin A they they uh, they change their shape and allow us to to perceive vision and um the byproducts of this product uh, of the vitamin A are thought to be involved in um, causing toxicity to the retina over time. And so uh, there's a company called Alkeus that has a modified form of vitamin A out there um, that seeks to replace uh, the natural form, if you will, of vitamin A, um, but this, the, the byproducts of this vitamin A are supposedly less toxic to the retina. So the thinking is that if that is used, then the toxicity uh, to the retina will be less over time and you can slow down um, the progression of macular degeneration or geographic atrophy over time. Um, That that medication uh, may have some side effects. Um, Of course, that's why they're doing the trials, um, but also very promising. Um, There are other uh, companies out there. Um, There's one... uh, drug that's been used for um, uh, glaucoma uh, called bromonidine, and um, that uh, lowers the eye pressure. But people also think that it helps preserve uh, nerve cells in glaucoma and may help to preserve uh, the the neural type tissue that's in the retina. So they've actually been injecting a small slow release pellet of that medication into the eye. And they've also shown that it has some uh, modest effects of slowing geographic atrophy as well. So, so that's from a more neuroprotective standpoint, if you will. And, um, there are also folks out there that, um, are looking at uh, at light or what's called photobiomodulation. Um, you know, the light has been used in, in other fields for years to try to kind of um, help scar tissue healing and so forth, dermatology type of type of um, applications, um, but. Um, I believe one of the uh, listeners submitted a question about uh, red light. And so there's a company uh, out there called Lumathera, um that's um, using a device to expose the retina to low levels of uh, a specific uh, wavelength of light, a near-infrared uh, wavelength. And uh, this has been shown in some of their, primary, uh, prim- their initial studies to improve retinal function. Um, so they're doing larger trials to see, you know, is that uh, uh, does that replicate in a number of patients, or does it help uh, patients see better or, or detect light better in, in geographic atrophy? That's, so that's a that's a whole other non-pharmacological approach. Um, so very interesting um, ways of kind of attacking the disease, and it may turn out that um, you know patients use more than one of these um, to kind of get a synergistic effect uh, uh, on improving vision and, and delaying disease progression.
1: Well, that's great. No, I really appreciate such a comprehensive look. Uh, at, at really, it seems like a very helpful uh, scientific pipeline. And, and appreciate your point that maybe in the end it could be more than one treatment for for a person. So, you know, when you mentioned the different uh, promising drugs, you, you frequently mentioned clinical trials. And I think in the in the last uh, you know, six months or so, the nation has just paid so much attention to to clinical trials for COVID. And I think we've all learned learned a lot. I was wondering. Uh, how does tell us, tell us a little about clinical trials envision. vision? Is it is it similar to how the clinical trials were that that got us the COVID vaccines?
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, all of these trials are, are we have to do them, and we we do a lot of. Trials for macular degeneration here at the clinic, um, but they 're running in conjunction with the fDA and, and the, the sponsor and and really they 're trying to obviously get new drugs out to, into the market, but the FDA really wants uh, the drug to be safe um, they, they want to, their job is to protect patients as as, as all our jobs are so um, and they want the, they want the drug to be uh, tested in a very specific way, um, so basically um, these uh, medications. Um, these new medications, uh, we, we they've already had some preclinical data, you know, small small trials or or tests uh, in, in perhaps animal models that show they're they're fairly safe, but we don't really know um, until they're tested in, in people. So um, so basically, if you have a certain g- disease like geographic atrophy and you're interested in a trial because there's no uh, approved treatment, um, then you go to your retina doctor, for example, and, and discuss trials with him or her, and um, they'll see whether your eye is appropriate for the trial first um, because they um, They want to do statistical analysis and and really prove that the medication is doing what it's doing. So they have sometimes fairly strict entry criteria. For example, you have to have severe geographic atrophy or maybe moderate geographic atrophy. And each trial is a little bit different. Um, And so they'll do what's called a screening exam and and do a complete eye exam and see whether you meet all these criteria. And after that, um, they'll go ahead and enter you into the trial if all the criteria are met. And usually um, they're comparing, um, you know, an established treatment, if there is established treatment, or a placebo, uh, like a sugar pill, if you will, if there's no treatment. And you'll get assigned to one of these two groups. Um, uh, you might not necessarily know during the trial, but they'll certainly reveal that to you after, um, you know, after the the treatment. And um, during the trial, you receive the treatment, and um, you'll get very close follow up. Uh, they monitor you very closely for any side effects. Um, And they'll um, take pictures and so forth to assess the role of the the drug and see how the geographic atrophy is progressing. Um, And so uh, after that, uh, then they take a look at all the data um, and they see, you know, over a large number of people, does this drug really work? And if it's safe, and after that, they, um, you know, will apply to the FDA and that will be approved for general use out of the population. So, um, and... Uh, you know i i always remind my patients that you know this is not like a, a obligatory thing um uh, folks that for whatever reason decide they don't want to participate in the trial um they can just um you know exit the trial so um so those types of things um Patients often have have kind of concerns about um, and it's it's really a working relationship between you and in your doctor so um, so the doctor is really trying to to do whatever is best for you and the advantage sometimes is um, it takes three, four five years for these medications to get um, Improved, and a lot of times we saw with the wet macular degeneration studies that folks got medicines before they were on the market. So that that's sometimes a huge advantage. But sometimes the drugs turn out not to be as effective, and they don't get improved. Um, but that that's why we do the the studies, um, and they're very helpful to you know society as a whole um, to get new medications out there and to get conditions treated that we never really could treat before.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I do feel like there's a pay it forward type of uh, type of citizenship there. Um, when you and your patients talk about possibly going into a clinical trial, are there common questions or concerns that that uh, that you address from your patients?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so folks were certainly concerned. Um, you know, a lot of folks. Um, you know, it's an experimental medication, um, and they're they're. Certainly concerned if it's safe or not, um, and the FDA and, and, and the trials have—they've uh, monitored you folks very closely uh, to make sure that they don't have any side effects and if there are significant side effects that they'll stop the trial and um, um, it, and the patients often ask uh, you know if if I get tired of the trial am I obligated to stay in it and the answer is no um, you know it's it's totally voluntary and um, folks can exit the trial uh, whenever they need to so um, it's just a, a voluntary <clears throat> participation um, and if you feel like you're getting benefit out of it um then certainly continue um and hopefully these medications prove to be uh, better than what's available on the market which unfortunately for geographic atrophy at this time there's there's not really not much mm-hmm.
1: thank you and so Dr. Liao, yeah, um we just got a question about uh about clinical trials are there any um that would have people who have the geographic atrophy in one eye but also but wet in another like what uh, you know is there research on Clinical trial opportunities for those folks? Sure.
0: Yes. Um, As I mentioned, uh, you know, certain trials uh, have different entry criteria. And um, there are trials out there for geographic atrophy that um, uh, do have uh, requirements for both eyes to be dry, Uh, but there are certainly trials out there that. Um, it's okay if one eye is wet Um, and I believe um, I'd have to check the inclusion criteria but there's there's also studies out there that are looking at treating geographic atrophy with gene therapy I didn't mention that in the the earlier um, discussion Uh, but I believe that trial uh, does also include folks who have wet in one eye Uh, but I'll I'll have to check Um, but any questions like that um, can Certainly, um, if folks have questions with their uh, local retina doctor um, or they can mm-hmm. be referred to a clinical trial uh, uh, center, um, they'll have all that information available to them, Great. and they can go through it step by step.
1: Great. Thank you. A uh, n- number of people have submitted questions today about vitamin supplements, um, the Arids, specifically the Arids, uh, uh, you know, uh, product that's available over-the-counter. I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit about ARIDs both, who's it, what, you know, who is it right for and who is it not right for? Because those seem to be the, sure. the core of the questions today, people wondering, will it help
0: them or not? Of course, yeah. Yeah, because you see the advertisements on TV and in the magazine scenes and everything. Um, but um, basically how the ARIDs, came about or there are there these large landmark uh, clinical trials actually uh, for uh, vitamin supplementations uh, conducted by the uh, NIH. And so we know that um, uh, people that uh, have uh, diets that are lower in antioxidants um, have uh, tend to have more severe macular degeneration. And so the ARIDs supplements um, are basically antioxidants. And so, um, you know, the ARIS-1 study uh, took uh, a certain formula of medication and uh, of vitamins, and they they showed that you could decrease your risk of getting um, wet macular degeneration by taking um, this uh, supplement formulation. Um, Now, that initially had beta-carotene in it, and um, they found out that uh, beta-carotene could sometimes um, kind of give uh, smokers a higher risk fact, uh, risk of uh, developing lung cancer, actually, at, at the doses that were in the trial. So in the ARITS-2, um, they, they among other things, they took that out, and they found that that vitamin supplement without the beta carotene actually um, did just as well as preventing the wet macular degeneration. Now, it doesn't really prevent geographic atrophy, unfortunately. Uh, it's more for wet macular degeneration, but that is a significant um, side effect of, of macular generation so still a very useful uh, uh, tool and um for folks who don't necessarily have macular degeneration, um, it's not really necessary to take those vitamins. Um, it's more, uh, when you're at that stage, it's more advisable to simply take a multivitamin, eat a healthy diet with a lot of antioxidants and omega-3s, um, You know, spinach, kale, broccoli, uh, salmon uh, once or twice a week. Uh, and that, that's sufficient. Um, even if you have a, a family history, and you, but you don't have any signs of macular degeneration, that's probably all you need. Um, Now when you start to develop early or certainly moderate uh, macular degeneration, that's when your doctor will start advising you to consider taking the um, ARID supplements because that's when you're more at risk of developing uh, wet macular degeneration.
1: Well, great. Thank you. It's very helpful because you see these ads on TV, and it, it gets your gets your mind wondering a little bit. Um, right. Several people have have left us questions today about arids, wondering about zinc that they have heard that there could be a problem with too much zinc in their um, uh, in in their uh, nutritional supplements. Is that something that that you can comment on?
0: Sure. Yeah, so they did uh, see in the arid study that th- zinc did cause some uh side effects such as um uh actually stomach upset and and those things um and uh there is a theory out there um there there's all these um there was there was a, a boom A few years back, in genetic testing for macular degeneration, because there are certain genes that predispose you to getting more advanced macular degeneration. And there was a theory that um, they've found a trend in the data that uh, certain types or combinations of of genes um, predispose you perhaps to getting. more macular degeneration if there were high doses of zinc in the vitamins. Um, You know, the the authors of the study noted that, and um, they themselves actually are – they don't advise routine uh, genetic testing uh, for – genotypes of macular degeneration because it's, it's more of a mm-hmm. research uh, type of tool um, but uh, the, you know the newer formulations uh, have less zinc and they're equally as effective. so um, I think if, if you're taking, you know the, the arids 2 uh, f- formula, I mean that that's proven to be fairly safe. Um, there are some things theories out there that they're actively looking at, uh, but at this point uh, we don't necessarily know and and that the arids 2 study was done over a large number of patients Um, And, you know, for the patients as a whole, uh, that was a safe uh, dose to take. Mm
1: -hmm. Thanks. And you you may have uh, touched on this a couple minutes ago, but we had a caller wondering um, about if they're not a smoker. Like, is is ARIDS-1 still available? And, like, is a non-smoker better off with ARIDS-1 or ARIDS-2?
0: Right, right. So so the primary uh, reason, as we mentioned, was that for smokers, the ARIDS-1 did Cause an uptick in, in, in lung cancers. Now, um, when they compared the, 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 the formulas, ARIDS 1 and ARIDS 2, um, there was really no difference in the um, protective effect. Um, so um, either one would be fine. I believe the ARIDS 1 is still available, but most of, the, most of the formulas out there are now the ARIDS 2. And so I would just advise um, them to consider taking the ARIDS 2 since it's just as effective. Um, and that's probably easier to get actually now.
1: Sure. And just kind of one last question on the arids, because we got a, a number of questions on that today. Um, a, a caller has has some concerns that could could uh, arids ever accelerate the progression uh, for for AMD? Like, is there right. does it ever
0: work in the opposite direction? In the opposite direction, yes. Um, so, you know, we had alluded to that earlier. There was this possible trends that for uh, certain combinations of genes it it might do so Um, but that's not really definitive at this point Um, so um, at this point we don't we have good data that for you know the general population um, that AREDS is protective Um, the other issue that's out there it's somewhat controversial at this point Um, so uh, the answer is that I I don't think we have a good idea Um, but we do have good data that the AREDS is, is protective. Um, so, um, we'll wait and see if there's any other information that comes out. And I, I think they would, if we, they found that to be the case, they would certainly publicize that.
1: Sure. And, um, it's kind of one more question before we turn, you know, kind of move into our concluding, uh, remarks today, um, about the mental health, uh, toll of an AMD diagnosis and about quality of life. Um, when you t- talk with your patients, um, and you see some, you know, I think what would be very obviously a lot of stress and and, and worry. Um, kind of, what do you say to them? And just in secondly, kind of even operationally, how do you guide people toward different apps or devices? So how do you help people uh, live live as best they can?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the first thing I tell people is because um, in earlier times, I mean, macular degeneration, the diagnosis would be a diagnosis of blindness. Um, you know, at this point that that's not the case. We have good treatments, especially for wet macular degeneration, and we're getting Good treatments, I think, for dry macular degeneration, but there's no question there's going to be some vision loss associated with it, and that affects your quality of life—things uh, we we all like to do, uh, you know, read, watch TV, uh, driving, even. Um, uh, but uh, the the goal the goal thing I think is to keep a positive outlook and to maximize um, the vision that you do have, which still can be pretty good. Um, you know, I have lots of patients that macular with. Uh, Patients with macular degeneration that really just live the full full lives. They 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 go about their everyday lives with without, um, you know, too much problem. There's some inconveniences like we all have. Um, but, uh, you know, as the vision loss starts getting um, more, um, you know, it's simple things you can do or use more light, use magnifiers and so forth. Uh, but there is cases where it certainly is more severe. Um, and in those cases, I like to work with a, a low vision therapist. Um, and, and in most cities, there, there are centers in Los Angeles. There's the Braille Institute that does a great job. Um, there are um, support. For groups out there like the Foundation Fighting Blindness that can um, get folks in touch with low vision specialists, um, and there are individual doctors um, in each city that will that will do these specialized, um, you know, uh, devices and uh, will help folks order um, those type of things. They can help people with apps and things like that. Um, you know, even. Sometimes just uh, your, your nephew or something can help you uh, go to the app store and download these magnifiers that you can get on the iPad or simply blowing up the font and so forth. So um, the goal is, is maximizing what you have, and um, there are certainly professionals out there, low vision therapists, uh, that do a great job of, of making um, you know, devices available that, um, that can really help in the day-to-day life.
1: Well, that's great, thank you. So Dr., uh, Liao, before we conclude, I just want to thank you very much for for uh, just giving us a lot of spe- a lot of reasons for hope, a lot of specific examples of of the field of vision research making some really exciting progress. and I was wondering if you could leave us with sort of a, something big picture. Is there sort of one big thing you feel like you've learned in your career, or is there sort of one piece of advice that that you'd wish all your patients uh, you know, you you want to make sure all your patients know about, or is this something you want to kind of end with for today?
0: Sure, yeah, yeah, I think... um... The, the big picture is, is things are always improving things are always getting better and um, you know staying in touch with your doctor and uh, learning about these clinical trials lo- learning about uh, other options like low vision therapy that are out there um, can really keep you abreast of all the things that are going on and there are certainly things out there today that weren't around uh, five years ago um, so that the field is constantly changing um, there's certainly hope out there to provide longer quality of vision And and perhaps even better uh, quality vision in the future. Uh, We're living in exciting times. Exciting times. Hopefully, the COVID will go away. Uh, But um, but for macular degeneration, I think that the future is 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 bright. I mean, there are lots of treatments out there uh, or coming uh, available uh, that will likely change and shape the way we treat um, this and change the the prognosis uh, in the in the very near future.
1: Well, that's great. It's good to hear. And uh, Dr. Guell, on behalf of Bright Focus Foundation, just want to uh, thank you so much for, for coming back uh, a second time. I think you've really given us a lot of uh, a lot of hope for the future.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Great. Yeah.
1: All right. On behalf of Bright Focus Foundation, this concludes uh, this month's Bright Focus. Chat. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us, and we will be back April 28th. Thanks.
0: The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.